Well, as has already been stated, we're going to continue our series today called That's a Wrap. Yeah, in just a few short weeks, and it is creeping up and coming so, so quickly. Just a few weeks from now, my wife and I will wrap up our 20-year season as lead pastors of this wonderful, incredible church. In this series, we are revisiting some of the main themes that that I have uh, uh, consistently, continually focused upon in these last 20 years. Specific areas of life that I personally feel called of God to emphasize specifically in my ministry. Uh, the text for our series is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. I want to read it one more time. And it says, therefore, uh, Peter says, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. So there are many things that that, that I have taught you, that I have ministered to you, that I also want you to remember long after I am God. Well, so far in this series, we've talked about caring and we've talked about giving. Oh, we've talked a lot about that over the years, have we not? Right. Well, today we're going to focus on growing. Growing. Don't stop growing. Now, now it's okay if you're not where you want to be in life or even where you should be, but it's not okay If you're at the same place you were last year, or five years ago, or 10 years ago, or 15 years ago, maybe maybe you're not where you want to be, maybe you're not where you should be, but, but hopefully you're not standing still. The sad thing is, many are. There's three areas in our lives that I want to focus on today. I I wish I had the time to to teach, to minister, to preach on each of these separately. I have down through the years. I don't have that many weeks left, so I'm going to have to put them all three in the message today. The first area that I want to talk to you about this morning is keep growing your faith. Yeah, keep growing your faith. Let me ask you this morning, are you growing in your faith? Are you? Let me ask you this this morning, how is, how is your relationship with God? Are you moving forward? Are you, uh, are you standing still? Are you moving backward? Where are you in your relationship and in with your walk with God? Hopefully, we're not in the same place in our faith that the people were that the the author of Hebrews was addressing. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12. He writes and he tells him, he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, he writes, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. He goes on to write to them and says, he says to them, you are like babies, That's what he writes. He says, you are like babies that need milk and cannot eat solid food. And he says, solid food is for the mature. Wow. (laughs) 
Oh, you talk about a wake-up call. You talk about a slap in the face. My challenge to you today is keep growing your faith. And I want to help you grow in your faith this morning. And I want to give you three very practical ways that will help you to grow in your faith. And the first one is this, and that is faith grows through public worship. Now, a third of you said you was going to help me. I've only got three people. That's not a third. Yeah. Faith grows through public worship. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says faith comes. How does faith come, Paul? Paul says faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, do not neglect meeting together as some of you are doing, but come together and encourage one another. Yeah, my friend, coming to church is very important. Oh, thank God for live streaming and, and recorded services for those who are unable physically uh, to gather publicly. And now I want to just tell you that it was a lifesaver during the pandemic. Thank God for live streaming and for recording in the, in the pandemic time. While uh, we were trying to figure out the wisest thing to do and as we were navigating through uncharted waters, what a blessing that it was. Oh, how wonderful, how wonderful it is when we are able to come together and join our faith. How wonderful it is for us to unite in worship. Oh, and to hear a fresh, anointed, well-planned, and spirit-inspired message from our very own God-called and God-ordained, spirit-filled pastor and shepherd. Oh, isn't it wonderful that we have the opportunity to gather together in worship this morning. I just don't understand Christians who have no real desire to assemble together. Because here's what I find, and that is I find that that my faith is always fed. My faith is always built up. It is always challenged when I gather together with my brothers and my sisters of like precious faith. Is public worship the all in all? Absolutely not. It is not. We're going to talk about that, but it is very important. Not only does our faith grow through public worship, but also faith grows through private devotions. No, you don't have to come to church in order to meet with God, in order to have a relationship with God, although we've already said that we should. But the fact is, coming to church is not the only way that we can grow our faith. In fact, our faith will never grow to the level that it should through public worship alone. And that's the reason why there are so many baby Christians today, and that is because they may come to public worship one, two, three, maybe even four times a month, but they have no private devotion. They have no private time with God. They don't read their Bible. They don't study their Bible. They don't talk to God during the week, and then they wonder why they're not growing. Truth is, we should develop the habit of meeting with God daily through systematic Bible reading and study and prayer. Listen, this morning, if Jesus thought he needed private devotions, who are we to think we don't? Mark 1.35 says, before daybreak, Jesus would go to an isolated place and there he would Pray. Luke chapter 22 verses 39 through 46 says that Jesus spent three solid hours in prayer. 
Now, I'm not going to try and guilt you into spending three hours in prayer today or every day, but some saints don't spend three minutes a day. And then they wonder why their faith is so small. They wonder why the smallest of things will bring them down. Start by giving God just five minutes. I'm not going to get up here and challenge you to give God an hour a day when you're not even giving him any time at all. Just start. Just start somewhere. Don't, don't feel guilty that you can't give God an hour or that you can't pray for. Just, just start with five minutes. And then, and then go from five minutes to 15 minutes and then move from 15 to 30 and then move from 30 to, to an hour. Just get started spending time in the presence of God, reading his word, studying his word and spending time talking to him in prayer. And friend, you'll be amazed at how your faith will begin to grow. Oh, when you consistently get in the presence of God and spend time through private devotions. Use the SOAP method of Bible study that our staff taught you in Wednesday night cultivation class. And by the way, the, these cultivation classes that we offer on Wednesday nights are an incredible help in growing our faith. Notice the third practical way that you can grow your faith. And that is faith grows through practice. Yeah, it grows through practice. See, everybody starts out in their faith journey as a rookie, as a novice, as a beginner. I mean, even the disciples were rookies in the beginning when they were first called to discipleship. Just think about Peter. Man, he made a lot of rookie mistakes in his faith journey, but he learned from his mistakes. His faith grew, his faith grew through practice. It was a lot of three steps forward and two steps back for him, but he was still making progress. He was still growing in the area of faith and progress he certainly made because who was chosen to be the keynote speaker on the day of Pentecost? Who was it? It was Peter. And just listen to this scripture found in Acts chapter 5 and verse 15. It says that people brought the sick and the lame out into the streets and they laid them on beds and stretchers, hoping, just hoping that just uh, at least the shadow, just the shadow of Peter might fall on some of them. Wow, man, that is some kind of power. But Peter didn't start out that way. No, he started out bumbling and fumbling and stumbling. But as he practiced his faith, as he put his faith into practice, it grew. I challenge you, don't stop growing. Don't stop growing your faith. Amen. Don't stop growing your faith. God wants to take you on a journey and he wants to help you increase your faith. Don't stop growing. Keep growing your faith. Second thing I want us to keep growing. Number two, keep growing your family. God did really good when he gave man a family, right? I, I don't know about you, but I love my family. I remember growing up and I remember seeing other families besides the one that I was born into. And quite honestly, I remember being envious of them and wishing that my family dynamics was like their family dynamics, wishing that I, I had a family like that. I don't know, that's probably one of the reasons why I'm married so young. I wanted to create a, a family 
of my own. Now, I, I realize that family dynamics can get a little messy and a little bit complicated at times. And I understand that strong, healthy, loving from, uh, families take a lot of work. It's not automatic, but it's so worth it. Worth it. So I challenge you today, don't, don't stop growing your family. And I want to give you three ways to help you grow your family. And the first way is this, and that is grow it through example. Grow your family through example. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Wives must accept the authority of their husbands. Their godly example just might win them to the Lord. Now, these are but two of many, many verses that challenge us to teach by example. And by the way, you are teaching by example. You're either teaching what to do or what not to do. <laughs> now, although my, my father certainly would not have received an A on his report card for parenting. I'm not going to give my dad a grade, but he wouldn't be an A. But he earned an A plus as a husband. He taught me, my father taught me by example how to treat my wife. See, some things are better caught than taught. See, see, if we say one thing and yet we do another thing, people will tend to do what we do and not what we say. So I challenge you today, grow your family. Grow your family through example. Another way to grow your family is grow it through examination. I don't know, perhaps you've never thought about this, but grow your family through examination. Let me ask you this morning, do you ever stop and take the time to evaluate your family? Do you notice when a family member is acting different than they normally act? If they are, there's a reason for that. Something's going on and you need to know what it is. Do you understand the different personality types and the tendencies that each personality type has, which is a clue as to why they act and react to situations the way that they do? You wonder why you got three kids, but they act and react totally different. It's because, it's because they have three separate different personalities. And these personalities have different traits and common things that the way they act and react. And we need to know what those personalities are so we can understand them and help them along and understand why they're acting and why they're reacting the way that they are. Do you recognize the different seasons each family member is in? And what they need in each season because your kids will need something different in each and every season of their life. See, people don't come off an assembly line. It's not one size fits all when it comes to people. I've read this to you many times. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, thank you. The psalmist says to God, thank you, God. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. 
I'm not like everybody else. I'm not like my brother. I'm not like my sister. I'm not like whatever. I'm, you have made me wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. See, no two people are exactly the same. And opposites attract. Just think about the difference between me and my wife. She's aggressive and loud. (laughs) She's a little crazy, or excuse me, she's a little crusty on the outside. She loves being in charge. On the other hand, I'm quiet and reserved and laid back and easy going and a, and a servant to all. <laughs> oh, do I have those backwards? How do you grow your family? One way is through examination. Get to know each family member personally. Spend one-on-one time with them. Ask them questions and then actually listen to their response. Pay attention to them so you can detect when something is off with them and they aren't quite themselves. And also each different personality type will require different actions and responses on your part. People have told me many times, I don't know why... One of my kids turned out this way and my other one turned out that way. I treated them both alike. And I'm thinking, what did you do that for? They're totally opposites. Maybe one's a boy and one's a girl. You treated them both alike. Really? Each different gender and each different personality type will require different actions and responses on your part. And each child will need something different from you as a parent. And your spouse will need something different from you than you will need from your spouse. Pay attention. Grow your family. Grow your family through examination. And the third way that you can grow your family is you can grow it through experience. See, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Relationships are built through time and experiences. If you're married, never stop dating. Because nothing robs the romance of marriage like taking each other for granted. So take time for one another. You had time for them when you were dating, when you were courting, when you were engaged. You, were, you, you, had, you had plenty of time for them or when you were chasing them or when you were trying to catch them. You had time for them. Do you, then do you have time for them now? Amen. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy your grandkids. Go places. Do things together. Support your kids by being in as many of their activities as absolutely possible. And be excited about being there. Don't act like it's a chore that you're there. Don't tell them how blessed they are to have your presence at their event. And by all means, stop constantly talking about how much it costs. See, here's the deal, and I've, I've witnessed it. Here's the deal. You will either be there for your kids, or you'll spend the rest of your life trying to repair the damage it caused because you were not there. You think it costs a lot to be there? It costs a whole lot more not to be there. 
How do you grow your family? Grow it through experiences, ball games and school programs and vacations and church and church activities like camps and conventions and campouts and VBS and on and on and on and on. It goes, don't stop growing. Keep growing your faith. Keep growing your family. And keep growing your finances. Pastor, are you really going to talk to us about finances in one of your final messages to us? I sure am. And you can thank me for it later. I said you can thank me for it later. I want to challenge you to do three things with your finances. Number one, I want to challenge you to prioritize your finances. Prioritize them. Are you aware of the fact that Jesus spoke more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined? Jesus. It must be pretty important if Jesus were to talk about it more than even heaven and hell. The fact is, our finances affect every area of our life. They affect our marriage. See, the number one cause of divorce is financial issues. Number one. See, see, people, people get divorced every single day that still love each other. But they get divorced because of the effects of financial issues. Siblings become divided over finances. Friendships and partnerships dissolve. Health health issues appear because of the anxiety and, and what it brings on the body because of financial trouble. People do illegal and illogical things because of financial issues. And the list could keep going and going and going. Listen this morning. Keep growing your finances. Keep learning. Keep maturing in this area. And here's, here's what I know. And I want you to get this. I want you to memorize this. Your finances determine your future. Your finances Determine your future. See, your finances will tell you what time that you have to get up in the morning. And what time you can go to bed. Your finances will tell you where you can and cannot go. And and where you can and where you cannot live. They will tell you where you can eat. And where you cannot eat. They will tell you whether or not you can take a day off or whether or not you can have a vacation. Finances, they will tell you, they will tell you what you can do or what you cannot do for your kids and for your grandkids, what you can and cannot do for your parents, what you can and cannot do with someone in need. And your finances will tell you what you can and cannot do. Give. Hey, finances are a pretty big deal, right? Yeah, finances are a pretty big deal. I, I think we should be talking about them a lot. 
Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20 says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools, fools, they spend whatever they get. Prioritize your finances. Take them seriously because they will affect every single part of your life, including your spiritual life. How many people get mad at God for their financial struggles? They get angry. They get mad. They get bitter and angry at God because of their consistent financial struggle. But the truth of the matter is they brought it on themselves through mismanagement. Does anybody still love me this morning? Back to the third. I'm gaining. Let's move on to my second challenge, and that is plan your finances. Plan them. Proverbs 21 and 5 says, good planning and hard work will lead to prosperity. So let me give you a great plan. I've given it to you in the past. Some of you have never heard it. Some of you have heard it several times. But that's what this is all about this morning. We are, we are, we are, we are reiterating some of the t- teachings and things that we've given to you down through the years. So let me give you a great plan for your finances. I need an hour to do it, but I'm going to do it in about five minutes. The first thing you need to do with your finances is you need to sow some. Sow some. We talked about this in detail last Sunday. We're to honor God with the first 10% of all of our increase, all of our income. It's called a tithe. Look in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 12 for a reference. Not going to read it, not going to talk about it. Did that last Sunday. But in this passage, God gives three promises to tithers. Three promises to tithers. The first one, God promises provision. Verse number 10, he says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing. Verse 11, the second one is that is protection. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. So, So God promises tithers provision and protection, but he also promises them Prosperity, it's found in verse number 10. Also, I'll open the windows of heaven over your life so that there will not be room enough to receive all that I'm going to send your way. So listen, based on these three promises, I I cannot understand why anyone wouldn't want to be a tither. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6 contains a very uh, awesome, fantastic promise to givers as well. Look it up. So what, what plan should we have for our finances? Number one, we should sow some. The second thing we should do with our finances, we should save some. Save some. After you give to God, give some to yourself. Save some. Begin by building yourself an emergency fund because emergencies will come. Your tires will wear out. The kids will get sick. They will need medicine. They will need to go to the doctor. The air conditioner will go out someday. The plumbing will back up. You're going to have emergencies. And so often when something happens in our life, and man, oh man, we're just so frustrated because here is this extra thing that's happening. But if we only had saved some, if only we had put aside some as an emergency fund, then when those emergencies come, we've got the money set aside to do it. And there's no stress. After you create a nice emergency fund, start saving some. Saving and then investing. See, unless you want to work until you die, you better start saving. You better start investing for your retirement. Because I promise you the day will come when you either will not want to or you will be unable to work or your skills will become outdated. 
And what will happen then? Well, it will depend on what you are doing now. Third thing that you should do with your finances is you should spend some. Spend some. But only after you sow some and save some. Spend some. But spend less than you make. See, most adults can't, can't even do simple arithmetic. I mean, you know, when I was just a little bitty boy, just a kid, when I was just a little bitty boy, I knew that I couldn't go into the, into the store and buy with a dime what cost a quarter. Just a kid, just a little boy, I knew I couldn't do that. And yet so many adults today try to buy far more than their salary can pay for. They got a dime salary and they're living a quarter life. Really? And then finally, the fourth thing you should do, and that is share some. Share some. Be generous. Become a giver. But you're not going to have anything to share unless you first sow some and then save some and then spend less than you make. Oh, oh, what joy comes when we are able to share some. I read it to you last Sunday, Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25. Give freely and you'll become more wealthy. Be stingy and you're going to lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Third and final challenge in this area of finances is, and this is perpetuate your finances. Perpetuate your finances. Don't allow your finances to stop with you. Leave a financial legacy. Proverbs 13 and 22 says, good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren. So listen, don't just get your financial house in order. Help your kids and help your grandkids get their house in order to teach them, train them. And if possible, leave something to your church or a missions organization when you die. Set up some type of trust that perpetually supports your church or perpetually supports some deserving missions organization. How awesome would that be? That long after you are gone, your finances are blessing the kingdom of God. Never stop growing. Keep growing your faith, keep growing your family, and keep growing your finances. The the takeaway from the message this morning is this. Those who stop growing become stagnant. Those who continue to grow become significant. Father, I just thank you, Father, for your infallible word. I thank you, God, that you you didn't just tell us how to get to heaven. You didn't just tell us how to stay out of hell. But you, 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 you told us how to live life. Lord, that your book contains practical teaching and training and information on how to live an overcoming, successful, abundant, fulfilling life. And I thank you for it. And I thank you, Father. You are a good good father hallelujah